This episode of The Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by First Republic Bank. The world is changing and your needs are evolving. As your focus turns to what matters most to you and your community, First Republic remains committed to offering personalized financial solutions that fit your needs. From day one, you'll be connected with a dedicated banker who will serve as your primary point of contact throughout your relationship with the bank. They'll be there to listen to you, understand your values, and meet you on your financial journey. Your banker can offer solutions that support your goals at any stage, from setting up a personal checking account, to refinancing household debt, to buying a first home. As your needs evolve, you can call or email your banker at any time for the support you need. Because First Republic believes what matters to you matters most. Learn more at firstrepublic.com. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. And hey, you're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yue. Joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Just Ju. What up? And also joining us, professional culture editor Han Wen. Hello. Hey, everyone. Can you believe we're finally, finally... In our last month of this year, 2020, we made it, guys. You say that like 2021 isn't also just going to be a <laughs> trash dumpster fire? I mean, I part of me appreciates the optimism and the part of me wants to punch you in the face. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course. Mm. Don't hit your friends, guys. I mean, there's... <laughs> There's got to be some hope in the world, right? <laughs> I mean, there's like three vaccines vying to be like the bachelor of American healthcare. So let's see which one wins. It would be as bad if people weren't obviously trying to make money off these vaccines because like didn't their stocks jump up because people are already expecting them to exploit the pricing for insurance or whatever? I mean, that that sounds right. Um, I personally want to do the one that Dolly Parton help fun because she's my god <laughs> um so yeah that's that's where my loyalties lie I mean, you know efficiency safety eh, dolly parton <laughs> well at the very least we should have some competence back in the home uh in leadership again um uh, which hopefully will make things better who knows because there's still a chance that uh we'll have uh like a constitutional crisis in about a month from now so i would pay so much money like on as a like a pay-per-view thing to watch them physically remove 45 yeah yeah oh totally i need some (laughs) drama like i need it to feel like there's closure and i think that's the ending we need oh i actually have been actively avoiding i avoid all content like it definitely like visual like i'll read articles and stuff Mm -hmm. but i will i i do not watch him in any form because i know that's what he wants and i refuse yeah so i every time i do happen to come across it like if someone's watching the news or like you know it is something very important that you have to watch i'm just like oh my god like it's worse than you expect. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. The 24-hour news channels are going to be covering the inauguration with one camera at the White House 24-7 with like commentators. Because apparently politics is sports now. I would watch a like ASMR video of them like delousing and sanitizing the White House. <laughs> which I really do think they should provide because we pay for that fucking house. We are the landlords of that house, and I want to go in and see the damage done to that house. I would not give him his security deposit back. There's going to be a lot of saging, I think. Uh. <laughs> okay, let's get to the fun yeah. stuff, Marvel. Let's Anyways, get to the fun um, stuff. Since we're at the end of November, beginning of December, this week, once again, we're doing our monthly entertainment news check-in segment that we like to call do we want this but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through the week uh han what's popping all right so i've been getting back into kid stuff i haven't started animaniacs (laughs) yet but i've been trying to kind of get back into the groove of that because i want to like write some kid stuff at some point so something that really i had been meaning to watch and i finally got to it and i love it is netflix's uh carmen san diego Oh, it is so good. Uh, I never watched the original series, actually, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. I just was aware of kind of who she was and her 
you know, <laughs> well, her sort it, of shtick. It's a franchise that started mm-hmm. off as like computer games, I want to say, um, by, I want to say Broderbrunt Games or um, they're educational games meant to teach kids about um, like history and geography, geography, geography yeah. and, capitals, um, how to yeah. do research. Um, I learned a lot of useless trivia playing Carmen Sandiego games as a kid. Uh, one of my favorite games, uh, We're in Time, is Carmen Sandiego uh, for the NES. It's a game that comes with a pocket encyclopedia because you're supposed to take clues from the game, look up their entries, and figure out where the criminal goes next. And I learned a lot about classic art, classic cultures. Okay, so it has a lot of that in there but the premise is is that for some reason Carmen San Diego well she's not named that at the beginning is a foundling <laughs> on this island and um the island is home to a school for thieves and what she thinks is called the valuable imports lavish exports but we know it spells vile V-I-L-E. And um, she grows up there, learns all the skills, finally goes through the training. And then and right before graduation, she doesn't make it, but everyone else does. So everyone else who graduates um, finds out Vile actually stands for Villains International League of Evil. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. And And then she realizes as she's going to like, to uh, foil their first mission that stealing is wrong, guys. So, um, but here's the thing. Um, you're uh, Marvin, I think you mentioned this to me, like, you know, she's going against Acme and it's true. Acme is a group that's like, it's called the agency to classify and monitor evildoers. <laughs> and the main guy <clears throat> is this like Frenchman named Chase Devino, who is so freaking funny. Um, it, the show is so good for adults to watch because it's very tongue in cheek and kind of winky. And the, there's a lot of subversive humor. Like there <laughs> is one, you know, each of the people who graduate from uh, Vile gets has to have, you know, a code name. And so one of them is called Mime Bomb and he's a mime. <laughs> and it, there's mime humor in it that's just so really funny well so that was the thing with carmen san diego is um she has a lot of henchmen in in the original series she has a lot of henchmen and they all have punny names so one of her henchmen i remember is a ambulance chaser lawyer named justin case yes i do recall that so (laughs) none of those characters i don't believe are necessarily (laughs) here her main uh partner is a guy named player and he's a white hat hacker so they actually don't look at it like aren't in the same room but he's like a voice in her ear and he helps her get out of sticky situations um there are other friends that come along but i only watched the first two episodes because that's her origin story um so in this series she's a is she an anti-hero or is she uh she is it's she's in between so she, mm. she, since she found out, of course, that stealing is wrong, <laughs> she is actually a hero. But since she keeps stealing, they don't real like uh, the Acme doesn't realize that she's good, even though they finally realize that she's stealing everything that Vile had stolen in the first place. So she's Robin Hooding it. Um. Um, but Robin Hood, as you remember, was also seen as bad because he kept stealing anyway. Well, he stole so, from the nobles. Stole from the rich. Right, right. So, he was saying, fuck the rich, eat the rich is right. what Robin Hood Redistribution so, of wealth. <laughs> yeah, so she's kind of returning things to where they, you know, these are a lot of them are artifacts. Oh. You know, so it's it's kind of like she's still being pursued by two groups. That's interesting because um, I think mm-hmm. in the original series or the original source material, Carmen San Diego was a former Acme member that mm-hmm. turned to a life of crime uh, because yeah. she was just so good at being a detective that she decides to be a criminal because she can outwit everybody. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of this going on as far as the back and forth in the gray area, um, which I really enjoy. Also because, you know, it's globetrotting and Vile is uh, housing a lot of uh, teachers from all over the world. So we get some Asians in there. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a there's a there's a Japanese guy named Shadow San. Um, <laughs> and uh, is he a ninja? He is not, but he is a skilled swordsman. He has also taught them. 
origami. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, there is also someone I think who is South Asian called, I think it's Cyrabellum. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's just stealing from the Powerpuff Girls, Miss <laughs> Bellum. Well, well, you know, I mean, you gotta to be have fair, it. Karma San Diego's this Karma San Diego series has been doing this for much, yeah, much longer. I remember sh- in the nineties, <laughs> I would just rush home just to watch the game show on PBS. Yeah, so. I don't know. I mean, like, I am still exploring it. Apparently, there are three seasons, uh, but I've enjoyed it enough that I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, like, binge it. I'm just going to watch a few (laughs) episodes at a time and really just, like, treat myself. So, yeah, I would say it's not too junior, but if you are going to watch it with kids, it'll work, too. But it's I I think it has enough adult, like, humor in it that's very cheeky. I'm glad that um, the powers in Hollywood have discovered that like, because for a long time, Karma San Diego was probably one of the most well-known female master thieves in like pop culture canon. So I'm glad that they're putting her to good use in in the series. Wouldn't wearing a red trench coat and a red hat just like not not let you blend in though? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I mean, they do they do mention at the beginning, like, why is she wearing that? Because she's obviously like thumbing her nose at it because it's not undercover. It's, it's not so incoming. good. Yeah, it, it <laughs> kind of is. It's her trademark kind of like nanny, nanny, boo, boo, sort of like you can see me, but you can't catch me. So yeah. in, in college, my friends and I, we made a like little short fun film that basically turned Cam- Carmen Sandiego to a noir film. That was really fun. And it was like, you know, zero budget. We shot it on like iPhones and stuff. And like, <laughs> like we just filmed in like apartment complexes. And I th- there's like a really cool stairway chase. And I'm like, which is like great in college towns because you have like a million apartments. But I don't know whose apartment was that. <laughs> I don't even know if like we anyone I knew lived there. We might just have snuck in. Uh, college was great. <laughs> Good times. Weirdly enough, I also filmed a Carmen San Diego sort of uh, <laughs> parody in college. It was for our cable uh, network for sketch comedy, but. Marvin, did you good. film one? Did you film one in college? Did you film a Carmen San Diego short in college? I didn't. I did a lot of video projects in high school. In college, we didn't really do much. Although my time in college was coinciding with the Wong Fu days, so they did a lot of stuff. Ah, uh, interesting. Yeah. No, I was the token Asian in my sketch comedy group um, and the just token woman. So I just ended up being usually like supporting thugs, you know, because mostly the guys wrote until I started writing stuff. And then I had my own roles. That's it's how funny you how that it. works. That's how, you, yeah. that, that's how, that's how change what, happens. What a, what a microcosm for everything <laughs> I work for. Uh, just was anyway. popping with you. Um, I have been very busy at work recently, which is like very rude. Um, so I really like, so my, my parents, I live with my parents, um, but it's like in a cool, chill, like way, not in like a sad basement way. So she protests too much, but, um, my, par- my parents have not cut the cord. So we still have cable and there's just a certain comfort and joy when a christmas movie comes on on cable during the holidays i have just literally been like sitting in front of the big cable tv while i'm doing like the tedious like processy type of work and like there's some goodies man the old the old ones hit like the old christmas movies home alone home alone 2 if you take out the part where he runs into donald trump (laughs) because remember it takes place in the plaza Mm -hmm. and i forgot where i read this but he trump or i must have i bet you i heard it in some kind of npr podcast but basically trump wrote it into the contracts of any time you filmed on one of his properties you had to give him a cameo i don't know if you knew this i did not right so he has like his cameo on Home Alone too, but like you know, solid movies. And then like I will watch them, and then my parents will watch them with me, and they have not <laughs> seen these movies in decades, and they are just so delighted. It is both very cute and also very annoying because my father really, really likes to. He's a worse like movie goer, like companion. What is his he, bad? What are his bad habits? Yes, I'm. I'm thank you for acknowledging that there are multiple <laughs> ones. So one, he will mummer 
like just what happened like like what mm-hmm. we just all collectively <laughs> watched on screen he will then turn to me and be like oh they're robbing the house and like <laughs> yes i'm aware they're robbing Why? the house um another habit is that he will like be on his phone so he'll miss big important mm-hmm. things and then not know what's going on and then we'll ask us questions you know <laughs> as we're watching the movie and for something like home alone something i've watched before i don't always mind but like he will also do this in like regular movie theaters and then i'm like mm-hmm. i don't know what's going i need to watch what's <laughs> happening now i can't answer you and then he sometimes just falls asleep mm-hmm. and then <laughs> And then he just like I mean I, I mean this maybe this is a little mean but like my mom totally gets everything that's going on so um, my dad again I think it's more of a like a paying attention thing rather than like an like a like a intellect thing <laughs> but he because my dad's a very smart guy but he will like totally miss the nuance of certain scenes and then insist that whatever he thought of is correct oh, no. and then we'll tell you like what is happening but it's wrong <laughs> and then but insists that he is correct and then usually it devolves from there so like you know it's the four that's the pretty, mount rushmore of asian dad film bad. watching <laughs> yeah my i mean parent- there's a reason why i don't go to the movies with my parents usually mm-hmm. like i took them to crazy rich asians because filial piety and like help the cause <laughs> but since then no right. yeah my parents also love to watch movies together but um so in my case my mom is the one that doesn't pay attention or mm-hmm. needs things explained to her um even when they're in chinese or even when there are subtitles she just like can't keep up with the plot so she asks questions in the middle of the movie yes to yes. whoever's next to her whether it's me or my dad so usually my dad i have my dad sit in between myself and my mom because he's used to it um my dad's bad habit he is he likes to guess what's going to happen next oh my dad does that too (laughs) yeah yeah i forgot about that one um he does that a little less than the other ones but yes that definitely (laughs) happens but um i do have another funny story that after so because i took them to see crazy rich asians in August 2018, they saw the trailer for Lion King, live action Lion mm-hmm. King, live action. I say that in quotes, live action Lion King, but the live action reboot, right? The CG, Lion King, Lion King. the CGI, yeah. where the lions have no expression. <laughs> so they saw the trailer and then they were very entranced. They're like, "I want to go see that." It's like, "Okay, I'll go take you to see that. I, I want to watch it too." Mm-hmm. So I took him to see Lion King. Two minutes into the movie, dead ass, my dad turns to me. He's like. Are the lions real? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then prior to that, every single... So when you see... We saw in 3D, because, you know, you know, Asian parents like the spectacle of things. They like to eventicize things. They got to flex on their friends on the WeChat. Uh So I took them to see the 3D version, which I usually do not like. Uh And you get 3D previews. Oh of my God. movies mm. that are going to come out in 3D if you go see a 3D movie. So every single 3D movie, like, my mom's like, I want to watch that one, too. <laughs> I want to watch that one, too. I was like, oh, damn. Like, I gave a junkie her first hit. Uh, we obviously have not gone to the movies um, since then, but we have been watched. We've watched many Liam Neeson action films, like <laughs> marathons, and... I also learned that my mother loves, like, capital L loves Denzel Washington. Mm. She will, I think all moms love Denzel Washington, regardless of race. And he, she's like, I like anything he's in. I love Denzel Washington. He's so good. And I'm like, you are not wrong. I also love Denzel Washington and he is very good. At least he's a good actor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It could have been worse. But then I was like trying to explain, um, on tv recently was again this is just like the random diaries of things i watch on cable tv with my mother maybe that's a podcast but <laughs> the things i watch with mom things i watch with mom on cable but like like um semicolon on cable tv there was this film on with denzel washington and mark Wahlberg called two guns it's like a comedy action film 
and it was okay. Uh, Mark Wahlberg really brought it down. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my mother why I, like, I don't fuck with Mark Wahlberg. And it was very complicated <laughs> to try to explain to her. It's like, that guy, he's bad. He hates Asian people, but he wants to be forgiven so he can buy beer. <laughs> it was a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but Marvin, what is popping with you? <laughs> oh. Well, Turkey Day is coming past. I'm in the middle of just eating sandwiches all day long, which is the best part of Thanksgiving. Oh, by the way, how did the chicken experiment turn out, Jess? Oh, Mm. so for those of you, reminder, I bought a ridiculously expensive chicken. It was a $42 chicken and it was like a three pound bird, 3.5 pound bird. So it was like $12 a pound. Picked up from a very fancy butcher shop in L.A. And I bought a $7 chicken from Ralph's and I cooked them the same way and we did a taste test. So the final verdict is the fancy chicken does taste better, but the market chicken, supermarket chicken is juicier because I'm pretty sure they pumped that, ju- that <laughs> supermarket chicken up with a bunch of water and shit to make it heavier and like more expensive, even though it's cheaper um, so it's good. It's not $35 good, though. Can you articulate what made it good? It tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it tastes like, of like, when you say it tastes like chicken, you're probably actually thinking of a texture or, like, the flavors around chicken, like a fried chicken. Like, but, like, if I were, but, like, what does chicken actually taste like, right? Other than, like, neutral. <laughs> right, like a neutral palate where you can put sauce and shit and textures on it. But the fancy chicken actually tasted like chicken. It was skinnier because I think it got like to live a free life where it got <laughs> to run around in fields. It probably like had a family and like went to college and like lived a very fulfilling life before it was killed. Um, so it, it does taste like something. It tastes happier. It does. It does taste happier, but it was also very scrunt. Like it was definitely mm. tougher. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But now I know. So I did it. Yeah. So you didn't have to. It's not worth the thirty five dollars, which I <laughs> already can hear all everyone telling me, duh. But you know, I had to know. I had you to know. know sometimes myself. you just want to feel fancy. Like it's not about the taste. It's about saying that you spent thirty five dollars on a chicken. No, oh, I don't feel fancy. I am fancy. And let me tell you, I mean, like I ate it in my, I, I cooked and ate this chicken in my PJs, you know, like it's, it's just, you just gotta, if it legitimately tasted like amazing and was like overall, like, like eons above, I would regularly purchase $42 chickens. That's kind of lady I am, you know? But it's just not. It's just not. And I don't. The 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 next round should be. We should stack up an Asian, like a Chinese slaughterhouse chicken into the mix, into the ring. That's oh, the sequel. Yeah. Like we'll have a a three way <laughs> chicken off next time. Next Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving death match part two. Chicken off. Yes. Yes. Oh, what else did I do? Um. Oh, Thanksgiving means that. Um. So. I'm a fan of podcasts, as people may know. And um, so the McElroy brothers, who are famous podcasters, um, have a special series they do every Thanksgiving called Till Death Do Us Blart. They do it in partnership with Mm -hmm. another podcast called um, The Worst Idea of All Time, which is one where three guys from, I believe, New Zealand watch bad movies and talk about them. So the concept of this podcast, Till Death Do Us Blart, is a yearly podcast that will go on for eternity where all they talk about is Paul Blart Mall Cop Part 2. Not even Part 1, Part 2. They finally talked about Part 1 last year as part of like a charity special edition. But for seven years straight and seven episodes, they've talked about Paul Blart Mall Cop Part 2, which the concept sounds absurd. And it's amazing that they've been able to pull out seven years of content. Um, if you want to just binge through all seven episodes, you can hear them slowly realize this is a, t- a terrible idea from the jump. So um, I think this past year, what they did was they decided to do a live commentary of Paul Blart-Mockoff Part 2. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, I re- recommend anyone who has just a sense of humor just to listen to it, even Here's if you've never question. watched do either I- Paul Blart okay. movies. I was going to ask, like, do I personally have to watch Paul Blart 2 
to understand this podcast, and I don't know if that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. I don't think so. Even with the hosts, when they started, have not had not seen Paul Blart Mall Cop one. They just watched part two. Even for me, like having listened to this podcast for, for the last seven years and not having actually seen Paul Blart Mall Cop two. I've seen Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. I haven't seen either, so this might be the way I can consume it. Yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of fun. Um, definitely recommend it. Um, also, um, I guess this past weekend, um, or this past week, uh, the Bake Off 2020 finally ended. And Oof. I don't know, this season was just a total disappointment. It was whatever. I Yeah, very disappointed. And that's saying something, like considering how starved for content and like joy <laughs> we are, that it just didn't work. I don't understand how. I feel like the, the the concepts for the challenges this year were all pretty lackluster. The bakers themselves were okay. I don't think they were given a chance to shine. And I think I mentioned this last time, but a lot of these like showstopper challenges ended up looking like an episode of Nailed It. Yes, I'm. I, you know, I think it boils down to it became the Paul Hollywood show, which is not what anyone asked for. And it became about like the spectacle instead of like people baking yeah. nice things. It felt like they're all set up to fail as opposed to setting up to like show, show off their skills. Right. Like what was it like two or three episodes ago when they had the ice cream cake challenge in the middle of British summer that is a concept that just made no sense. I mean, I do think but maybe part of it, I mean, their production schedule wasn't all knocked a tizzy, but it's also like if you, I guess there's no AC in the tent. Like, like so, so they were like, I mean, I feel like the last three episodes, they all had like those like ice towels around their neck because it was <laughs> so hot in the tent. I'm like, who like why did you guys not well they said it was like 35 degrees celsius which is like 97 degrees fahrenheit like oh my god in in england they don't they don't they don't do well above 72 (laughs) like british people just like they can't handle that yeah so watching bake off is a pastime of my girlfriend and i but we were both just very disappointed just watch the season. old seasons. Honestly, they bring me more joy. Like I even started watching the first season that's available on Netflix, which is called a separate thing. It's called Great mm-hmm. British Baking Show Beginnings, which is the British season three. And it's like so much like less in production value and like challenges. And it's so much calmer and it's still better that's than true. the newer versions. I forgot that they did rename it to Baking Show because Bake Off is copyrighted. I think it was I trademarked guess. Yeah. in yeah. the United States. Pillsbury. Yeah. Bake Off. <laughs> oh, fucking Pillsbury. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know what? Uh, this season was so bad. I haven't even watched the finale because I don't care. Yeah. Right. The the finale. The three in the finale yeah, are just whatever. They're like. They're, I thought the right baking person Baking is like okay. Their personalities are like bland. <laughs> Well, there's that one lady who just managed to make it to the finale by being second worst every single episode. The entire oh. episode. <laughs> and I just, I, I mean, I don't, is it like also partially casting? I feel like in the previous seasons, you still got a really great, like, it's like you had a good shot of having three interesting people in the finale because <laughs> everyone was interesting or like 90% of them were interesting. And I feel like this season, I really liked Lottie. I thought she was great and fun. Mm-hmm. And Sura, who was also very funny. Yeah. And then they got kicked out. And I'm like, oh, Rowan, of course. <laughs> and then like the three fun people got kicked out. And you're just like, well, um, I don't know anyone's name. Like, I don't remember anyone. Like, yeah. I did not learn Laura's name until the second to last episode. You ended up with um, Hot Mess, Laura. Um, Serial Killer Dave. <laughs> and like... And- like there's always a li- twink li- and little boy the, the yeah tw- yeah that's the twink the twink yeah. uh the twink archetype yeah um, Who, who's who's young and rosy cheek but strangely good at baking there's like that person every single season um, <laughs> i did see a twitter post a tweet some might say a tweet <laughs> um comparing um this this boy whose name i cannot remember that shows you how peter uh, Peter? Was he a sure, Peter? let's go with Peter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to edit a story, so I think it's Peter. <laughs> yeah, that compared Peter with like the cat 
like McGungles the cat and like from cats also butchering his name but like same energy and like that has lived rent free in my head for a very long time so like it, this season gave us that like yeah. I, I'm very grateful for that tweet I don't <laughs> even know who you're talking about which cat you're talking about you know like I don't know my, I don't know <laughs> He's like the black and white cat. He's like a magician. Mesophocles. Mesophocles. <laughs> Is it Mesophocles? Like he's one of the main cats. So I guess they're all main cats. But he's like he's like black and white, and he got like a little like fuckboy energy, but like simp energy. But he's a cat. Is that the Idris Elba cat? No, no. Idris Elba cat is like weird sexual energy. <laughs> he's like this is like a simp energy. The cat M- M- Mcclophocles. Misogynist. <laughs> Mistopheles. Yes, I think it's that one. <laughs> I uh, was drunk when I watched this. I still have movie. not watched Cats and I don't plan on. I, I saw it, it at uh, a sold out rowdy screening. So uh, the LA Underground Cat Network set up a screening on January 1st of this year. So that was a in theater among people who might have had COVID, who knows, uh, screening with all of us and we all wore cat ears and then yelled at the screen. Oh, God. That sounds fun. (laughs) Um, We started off with eight people in my theater, full-size theater, and then it was just me and my party at the end of this movie. Uh, (laughs) I also took a nap in the middle because I was drunk on mango margaritas. (laughs) It was good time yeah i had drinks you i mean you can't go like without no you can't do not watch this movie sober take something microdose i don't care you just yeah. don't watch it sober whatever it is you need to be under the influence <laughs> <laughs> well that's what's popping for this week uh when we come back we're gonna go over the latest entertainment news um uh, what do we want this stick around Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club Uh like we mentioned at the top of the show, it's time for our monthly news roundup called Do We Want This? Where we go over the latest entertainment news. Um, I guess we can more accurately say the latest Asian American related entertainment news that happened over the past month. Uh, this past November is actually a pretty light news month. Um, I wonder if something important happened this month. I don't know. Can't think of anything, no. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go over a couple news stories and ask ourselves if we want this. Uh, so Jess, why don't you start us off? Well, the Grammy nominations came out for the 63rd annual Grammys, which will be happening in 2020. And there's a lot of Asian representation in it. But you might not know because they are what I call hidden Asians. And that does not mean they themselves are hiding it, but society is hiding it. And it just may not be known that they're Asian. So nominees include Janae Aiko, who is nominated for Album of the Year. And your producers also get nominated with you for that. With the, it's with the, with the artists. Or I think it's mostly the producers. But her both of her producers are Asian American as well. Um, Fisty Cuffs, which is a great, great producer name. Uh, <laughs> and Julian Kwan Viet Le. He, he rocks all the accents over the, na- the vowels. We, we respect that. Um, her, you know, who has a, had a pretty great few years. I feel like she only blew up, uh, like she came on the scene like a year or two ago. Um, she's nominated for Song of the Year for I Can't Breathe, the anthem she wrote about the Black Lives Matter protests and George Floyd. She is half Filipino from Vallejo. 
Um, and you know, it is the Grammy, so like everyone and their moms gets nominated, but still, it's very exciting. And you know, just we wanna we wanna just call out the the, the you know Asians are in music. You just people don't let them be Asian, you know, or <laughs> don't let them have that duality of identity. Um, and you know, shout out to Ricky Tractivist who has compiled this really amazing list. You can check it out on tractivist.com. It has like, again, Grammys, like literally everyone and their moms. It's the easiest letter in the EGOT to get. Um, <laughs> I could have a Grammy for all I know. You could have a Grammy, Marvin, for all I know. Han could have a Grammy. You could tell me I have a Grammy. Anyone in the street could be like, yo, by the way, I have a Grammy. I'd be like, I believe it. It's like the Oprah of awards. It, it is. I mean, like they just go deep, you know, the Recording Academy <laughs> Awards a lot. There's like, you can get one for like, recording a children's book or a like like i think you can even get a grammy for like one-off like things like i think lin-manuel got his first for like doing the oscars or something like that or like a production or something yeah Yeah. for doing like the live show he rapped in (laughs) in one or the tonys the tonys and so i'm just like yeah everyone got everyone got a grammy but uh, check it out and then listen to some music. Also, yeah. the Spotify, you know, like your year rap came out, so everyone's sharing that. Listen to some good new music. Try to fix your, fix your, um, your stats so it's not one through five Taylor Swift like mine is. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, folklore came out this year, guys. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't listened to it. Yeah, I definitely want this. Um, as someone who used to work for a an Asian American music focused organization, it's always hard with music because what's Asian American music, right? Um, but it's always great to see people succeeding because I think music is one of those fields where like looks still matter because of live performances and prejudices, but what really matters is the talent and I mean, a lot of these, like you said, hidden Asians, they're able to to succeed despite um, you know, certain factors because they have the talent. Well, I mean, if you just look at this list, it's, it's like Asian American music is mainstream music. Like there's mm-hmm. yeah. we are in it, you know, like the, two of the three album of the years or three of the album of the year nominees have either producers or artists or writers who have made help make this album. And, you know, statistically, like, okay, Marvin, did you play an instrument growing up? Did your parents force you to learn an instrument? I chose to play my instrument. I was in... Okay, but you took lessons, yes? um, Through school. My public school offered us lessons. I was in band. Han, Han, did you play an instrument? (laughs) Badly. uh, Three three different instruments? I didn't get very far on either of them. I mean, same. I picked up, like, I you know, I did, like, piano lessons Mm -hmm. and, like, I picked up the saxophone. But I was, like, statistically, Mm -hmm. every Asian... Like of a certain means, every middle class Asian and above, elite, like definitely plays at least one instrument. Mm-hmm. The whatever, like how good, that's not the question. <laughs> but like statistically, we should be showing up in these numbers, right? Like, yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, we're we're there. You, we just you just <laughs> got to see us, um, and we want this, and yeah. we want yes. more. I'm I'm so excited for the Spotify list that I can. <laughs> All right, Han, what's our next story? All right. Um, so I think I'm going to go with this one, which is uh, so Apple's morning show books uh, Hassan Minaj for season two. And this is an interesting one to me for a number of reasons. Um, Patriot Act um, got canceled. So which, you know, there were rumblings of some stuff in production so maybe it was best that it ended but uh also the morning show itself on apple tv i did not love the first season however i mean the the main issue with it was like it was kind of covering me too where the steve carell character got booted because he was kind of like matt lauerish and um and someone had come forward about inappropriate behavior. And so it's left with Jennifer Aniston and then a uh, young upstart like Reese Witherspoon's character who is supposed to be conservative, but she's really not. Um, and it ended in a weird way with a cliffhanger at the end of season one. And there were just a lot of 
very weird choices um, when it comes to how they decide to tell the story. However, I am curious about his addition because I believe they say that he plays Eric, who is a charismatic um, person who is coming. Let me see what the actual words are. Uh, oh, uh, charismatic and rising star who joins the morning show. So that makes me kind of hope that he's actually on camera on the show. So the show within the show, um, which would be interesting because that is something I noticed was the main three, you know, um, hosts of this morning show are white. So I would have wanted, you know, I think they had some like maybe the weather person or some other people might have been like people of color. But I, I, I would like to see what sort of energy that they try to throw into this. Uh, they're currently, I believe, in production with season two, um, despite the whole COVID thing. So they've figured out that when it comes to Apple TV Plus, also, I would just say, like, you know, there are so many streaming services. I would understand if you haven't seen it. But since it's the holidays, I would say, you know, it might be a good time to just get a one-month subscription because Ted Lasso is a very charming comedy that stars Jason Sudeikis. I mentioned, you know, uh, Dickinson a while back, which is great. Um, so it would be a good time to maybe check this out and maybe you'll be prepared for whenever it comes back. I mean, I definitely want more Hassan Minhaj in media, especially since his show got canceled on Netflix. It's good to see that he's um, returning to the world of fake news. (laughs) Oh, I mean, did you guys, were you guys following the whole like Twitter storm about his variety, uh, lie detector interview? That was great. That was that was like the Wait, small happened? pockets of joy. They asked him if he they there's a weird long context to it, but basically they asked him if he thought Dax Shepard was hot and how hot he was he. And he just went on and he's like, Okay, look, like white guys get to be not that hot and are considered hot. But like if you're like a person of color or if you're black, if you're Asian, you have to be like Idris Elba to be considered hot. <laughs> and everyone's like, he's not wrong. Yeah, it was interesting. I might have been a Vanity Fair, but um, this isn't actually an old interview. I think it was from last year that somehow surfaced again. And the power of Twitter. Yeah, people were eating it up because they're like, this is so true. This is so true. You can be like King of Queens or since we're talking about Paul Blart mall cop, you know, it's like you, you can be the very average schlubby white dude and still get the hot woman. But like, if you are going to be a lead, you have to be like a Harry Golding or, you know, and I think, uh, Hassan was saying like, you have to have the V, you know, and that type of stuff. Like you're not allowed to eat. You have to be like Daniel day Kim. And like, yeah, have you seen him like topless? He, he doesn't eat like he gets to eat like lettuce. Yeah. So that's it. So he said, you either are hot, in, to be an entertainment or you play the IT guy. So it's kind of like, it's true. There's not the middling um, area yet. Like, you know, we see a little bit more and more of that. But but then I, they yeah. all become like really hot at a certain point because everyone books a Marvel movie and then you have to go like get Yeah, lit, you get Jack. lit like Kumail Nanjiani. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always still such a good like glow up. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, and I respect it. I'm looking respectfully, but I mean, I'm, it didn't happen. Benedict Wong, though, he's still. I don't think he got buffed, did he? No, but his character isn't. He's like a monk. I never watched Doctor Strange, so me I'm neither. Me neither. But hey, <laughs> he was know. great in a. Uh, was it what did we just watched? <laughs> David Copperfield. David Copperfield. David Copperfield. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm I'm very interested to see him also in something scripted. You know, yeah. uh, I would I I wonder how much of it is going to be him. <laughs> so, what's what's the next news story? Mark? Yeah. So um, this is something that, that uh, this was a news story that came out um, earlier this month. Um, yeah. So my news. Uh, yeah. So my news story is um, speaking of live action remakes of Disney properties. Uh, John M. Chu has been tapped to direct the Lilo and Stitch live action movie. 
uh, Lilo and Stitch was at one point one of my favorite uh, Disney movies just because of representation, I guess. Um, this production is also co-produced by Dan Lin of Rideback, who has also done a lot of um, great things like a Lego movie. Um, but do we want this? Mm. Okay, I love John. Uh, he's a very nice man. I think he's incredibly talented. And I believe everyone's heart is in the right place. But like, number one, we just don't like, I don't expect this remake to be good because none of the remakes have been particularly good. And um, you needed a, this is the perfect chance to get a, a, a native Hawaiian director or a native Hawaiian woman. Or, if, you know, like even <laughs> I'll even take a crumb, like a female director here. Yeah. Because the story is about a little girl. And the bond she has with her sister. And Han, I don't know if you have sisters, but like the bond of sisters is just weird. <laughs> yeah, no. It's weird. It's different than brother and sister. It's different than brother and brother. It's just weird. I have two brothers, so I have no clue what that's like. Are it's you, like are, I would have taken Greta Gerwig in here, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> so she does great little women. Like, let's explore that in this medium. And there's just so many things that can go wrong. Like, is it going to be full live action? There's going to be CGI. It's going to be a CGI live action hybrid because Stitch has to be CGI. So we're going to get like a weird Sonic thing where he looks weird. I mean, it's going to confuse your dad again. He's uh, going to be so confused, Han. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, it's a doggy. I was like, no, it's not a dog. He's pretending to be a dog, but he's an alien. Oh, but no, they got him at the pound. So, like, no. Or is this alien real? Like, did they, how do we like, now Do they aliens? breed? Do yeah. they chimera genetically <laughs> alter a animal in the lab to film this movie? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I'm very, I totally understand the reasons for making these remakes because they don't, it brings in the audience. It brings in the old people who remember the originals. It brings in the new people, the young kids, because, you know, it's Disney. And so I get it. It's like slam dunk. It doesn't matter if it's like great. It just has to be good enough. And I that makes me so angry because you're right. None of these remakes have been any good. No. Like they're they're only like it's like half your expectations. And then that's still too high. Yeah. Um, uh, There's just no reason to remake a good Mm-hmm. Disney animated film because if it's great if, like you either just have to do a shot for shot remake which is like why we have the animated film already which is kind of what happened with like Beauty and the Beast or you have to revamp the entire thing and then it kind of doesn't make sense or like it's not it's not a better story and then this is especially weird because Lilo and Stitch is not based on anything it is it is an original movie it's original concept it's original script from Kurt sanders and like the disney team from the early like the late 90s early 2000s and then i'm just like okay and we could talk about that and how that team was very white you know the creative team the writing team was very white and if okay I, you could kind of get me on board if you're gonna be like hey we're gonna redo this movie but we're gonna like bring in those voices we should have brought in the first time it's like okay like Let's talk. Let's talk about like what what that would change. That doesn't seem to be happening here. Yeah, I mean, ha- has there been a writer attached to this project yet? Um, I don't see that in the news release. I think there was, and I think it's like a white guy. Yeah, because there's a lot of things you could do with Lilo and Stitch. I mean, the original story was really good. I, I remember, you know, tearing up. You know, during the movie, it's very emotional. It's about family. It introduced the entire mainland to the concept of Hohana, which has now become like Hallmark brand I guess. for your Hawaiian barbecue chain. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, but at its core, it's a story about native Hawaiians who have to cater to white tourists, right? Like um, Nani, Lilo's sister, works for a resort and. Um, there's a lot of things that you could do with that, especially with stories about a working class Native Hawaiian family. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, there's, I mean, it's 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 a weird line between exploit and highlight, and then because I think if they weren't doing any films about any other culture than the European princess mode, we'd also be like, hey, why don't you do more? Why don't you do different stories? But you know, That's if true. you're gonna step into that. Those worlds, and I mean, and it's not like they do faithful adaptations of Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast either, right? They Disneyfy everything, and that's that's yeah. 
and I mean, let's be real. They're good at it. They're very good storytellers. Um, so it's like this. Yeah. Yeah. My question to you is: Would you prefer a gross stitch or a cute stitch? Cute stitch. Why would we want a gross stitch? What's wrong with yeah, you? Like that. Just why is that even a question, Marvin? <laughs> get, the, get, the, get the corn out of your ears. Do you think CGI Stitch will be fuzzy? I hope he is, because all the good CGI things. I, okay, I watch a lot of animated films. I'm like an adult woman who will go watch <laughs> animated family films by herself, and I have no shame because I think those are still some of the f- like truest form of like structural storytelling, and I just really enjoy that. We don't make four quadrant films anymore that aren't Marvel movies, <laughs> and all the cute ones are furry so the pokemon the ones that are successful pokemon or detective pikachu Mm -hmm. they have this like little hairy texture on them very cute fuzzy sonic fuzzy and they had to do a whole they revamped yeah revamp that caused the company that did it to go bankrupt like do not do that to another (laughs) poor south korean company you know oh well I mean, I don't think there's anything we can do to stop this from happening. No. So let's just cross our fingers and hope um, hope it goes well. I mean, Disney has been relatively okay when it comes to, like, diversity and inclusion. Um, so. Ish. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. And I do hope, I mean, the one silver lining is, like, this is a chance for a native Hawaiian mm-hmm. actor, actors to be in a huge global movie and you can hate the mouse but the mouse reaches all corners of the world <laughs> and does have this level of like cultural saturation that very few things have now yeah so all right let's do another story uh jess what do you have um in other fun movie news aquafina and sandra O oh are going to be in a are have been cast as sisters in an upcoming comedy film by Gloria Sanchez. And I just feel like this is what everyone really wanted. Like the stars were all aligning to this. Um, it's uh, they're gonna, uh, it's by uh, the Jen D'Angelo who is writing the script again. Gloria Sanchez is going to be directing, I believe. And uh, hold on. Okay, so here's a synopsis. Sandra O oh will star as a lonely recluse whose life is upended when her train wreck sister vows to mend their relationship by helping her fulfill a lifelong dream to appear as a contestant on her favorite game show. That sounds cute. Yeah. It's on Netflix. It's that like, you know, 30 million comedy that we don't get in movies anymore, which I always enjoy. Um, it will be interesting to see the two of them play off each other because I feel like they both tend to go towards neurotic. Like that's kind of their comedy energy. Um, so looks like Sandra O. Oh, I mean, she can do anything. Let's be real. Sandra O. Oh, very funny actor. She was in Sideways, her little cameo in Princess Diaries as the principal. Hilarious. So we know she got the chops. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm excited. Who's the other like who's going to round up the cast? I hope there's a little like sexy love mm-hmm. relationships for both of them. I wonder who will play those. Um, yeah, I mean, let's uh, you know the selfish part of me is like let's make it all Asian again, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, we I I we definitely want this. I I in general I just like seeing both of them on screen together. What kind of dynamic will that be? I could see. Maybe Aquafina being like deadpan. Who knows? Um, it, it it might be fun to see them sort of like stretch their different their their comedic muscles differently from how they've done it before. Um, so yeah, no, I I definitely want to see a lot of their surrounding family. Um, it's also just like wild because yeah. did it really take us this long to get to the point where there were two? major asian american actresses to do a buddy comedy like this mm. like did it take till 2020 i mean before this who did we have in the limelight only we one had, at a time right we one at a time and we had the a lot more drama leaning actors i think so like lucy Liu, I, i'm sure she's she's actually pretty funny but, but ali mcbeal was uh, a comedy wasn't it I mean, com- dramedy, like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a law procedure. I mean, it was still the, more dramatic leaning. The one 
exception, of course, would be Harold and Kumar, which women. What I'm, right, I'm talking women, about the yeah, women yeah. though. Ah, uh, you're right. I'm trying to think. It's sad. I don't think it's a reflection of the talent pool. I think it's a reflection no. of racism. <laughs> of course, of course. It's more of opportunity. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm, I mean, the Joy Luck Club ladies are very talented, but I mean, if you, I mean, yeah, not a fun. comedy. I mean, it's not the, a comedy. During that era, it was Margaret Chill was probably our front runner for like comedy. Yeah, but and... she didn't have a, have a, have a buddy, really. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, about freaking time, guys. Yeah. I want this as well. Like, Sandra O and Aquafina together it sounds, just sounds like a perfect combination. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, Han, what else we got? All right. So, here's one uh, that is interesting to me because I lived through the original. Um, so, Jolie Huang Rappaport, uh, who if you may recall, was the other Asian in Watchmen. She played, well, I don't want to spoil, but I guess I can, uh, Hong Cho's relation. Uh, she played the daughter, Bian, in Watchmen. And um, she has been cast in the reboot, uh, HBO Max's reboot of Head of the Class. Now then, Head of Class was a late 80s, early 90s sitcom on ABC, which I thoroughly enjoyed because uh, Howard Hessman uh, played the teacher, a history teacher called Charlie Moore um, to a class. Now, it wasn't just that he was a history teacher, but this is a class of eggheads. So I remember like I literally had a class where we were like the gifted people were taken out to have a very uh, like a smaller class where we got taught of extra things and it reminded me so much of that except they were all you know like cuter and stuff on this tv show um and they were kind of like misfits and whatever like that but at the same time i don't remember much about them like learning stuff i remember them in the class and i do remember there was an episode where they had to do a production of greece so <laughs> um this is a reboot and uh and I believe they're going to flip the gender flip the teacher. So Isabella Gomez, who was the oldest daughter of One Day at a Time, um, is going to be the teacher. And uh, Jolie is going to play Michaela Washington, who is a business savvy, life chronicling insta queen. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I love a well done um school comedy i think on peacock uh it it came from nbc but on peacock they have uh ap bio which is kind of sort of like that sort of formula where it's smart kids you know um who are not doing necessarily smart things and a wacky teacher who's kind of like bringing them outside the box so I'm very curious to see how this one turns out. I have no experience watching Head of the Class. This <laughs> isn't the one. Either. This isn't the one with John Travolta, right? That's not this one. No, no, no. That is. Uh, hold on. Is I was thinking of that one too, Marvin. <laughs> no, I know what which one you're talking about. Oh my fucking god! That was Welcome Back something. Welcome Back Cotter. Welcome Back Cotter. Yeah, and right. that. But I think that's the original sort of formula, mm. uh, because even the Welcome Back Cotter, I don't necessarily think that they were a gifted class or anything like that. Um, it it definitely had you know sort of misfits and you know Mister Cotter, um, <laughs> getting them to you know experience different things and you know having the students' personalities come out. So I, I love a well done school show and not saved by the bell like that's fine but like that was always more like they were hipper than i ever was and so that's why i identified with these do you think we'll get a saved by the bell reboot by the end of this like the next five years you know they already have one out like as of now what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you oh, miss you, it? You, I think he's been busy. I was like, yeah. I'm like, did they just do it? It's on Peacock. Thing? Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. Yeah, and and it and it like I don't think the new cast. The only person on the new cast I know is Josie Tota. Um, I have screeners. I haven't watched them yet, <laughs> but uh, I do have a Bayside uh, Letterman jacket, which is really cool. So um, and. 
Asians. When Speaking I have hidden Asians, though. Wait. Oh, well, I was Zach I, Morris. I was a well, yeah. I was a hidden Asian with the Save by the Bell, the new class. I was an extra, and I got to <laughs> be on whatever nice. show that was. Yeah. Um. I think I was in the police academy scene. I don't know. Uh. What? What? What else is news? Yeah. Um. This will be the last one. Our last story. Um. NBC's new uh, comedy series, Young Rock, um, directed by... Nanachka Khan. Yeah. <gasps> Yay. I believe she's writing the pilot as well with yeah. Jeff Chang, who is a who was also pretty high up in Fresh Off the Boat. Yeah. NBC gave it a straight-to-series order. Yeah. There's a new series called Young Rock, which is based on the early years of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's life, starring a bunch of Pacific Islander talent. Oh, so, the casting is great. So yeah. I guess the show is going to take. We're going to see Young The Rock as a in in multiple phases of Young Rock. So like a child, like a twelve year old, a teen, like in 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 high school maybe, and then I think also in college or some variation. So it's more than just one Young Rock. It should be called the Young Rocks or something. <laughs> but I guess that's also grammatically incorrect. Because uh, they're playing the same character. Yeah. But no, the casting is pretty fantastic. The Rock. Uh, posted on his instagram a few weeks ago and i think they nailed it oh to be the person outside when they were <laughs> doing the, all the casting uh, <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's a pretty for, great for college age rock right, 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 for, college, for age. The college age rock not the young young no rock. no not the young young rock but the young adult no that's not it either yeah. the, the college i mean age We've seen these type of shows before. We've seen like the young, young uh, Chris Rock, but it's such a interesting because The Rock, um, Mr. Johnson, um, if you're nasty, um, comes from like a family <laughs> of wrestlers. So that that's really cool to see, and it's pretty amazing that you know just this show existing opens the door for a lot of like undiscovered talent to like to be able to come through. Yeah, and I think the main one, assuming. I mean, putting my producer hat, I'm assuming we're actually going to spend more time with the college rock because that's an adult actor where you can keep on set mm -hmm. for however long you want <laughs> and not a child that you have like strict labor laws for. Um, Uli Latukefu is going to play the 20-year-old rock. He's very handsome. Just, <laughs> just great. Just great. Very handsome. And I'm also very excited for the world to learn that the rock is black. I think people forget that too. <laughs> How? His dad is How? black. Yeah, I, I, mean, he, I, I was going to say did, they cast Rocky Johnson like his dad, right? Yes, so. uh, Joseph Lee Anderson's going to be, be playing his dad, Rocky Johnson, mm -hmm. and uh, Stacy Lelou is going to be playing his mom, mm -hmm. Atta Johnson. And you know, they 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 really look like their their counterpart, their real life counterparts, where they they vibe like energy wise from the pictures that have been released. And I just. You know, I just, it's wild that people forget the rock's not white. Yeah. <laughs> I also love that the Nazca Khan has um, another show about a young celebrity under her belt. Yeah. Um, she's pretty, like, she's been, she's been doing pretty well these past, like, how, how long ago was Fresh Off the Boat? Fresh Off the Boat started in 20... Like 12, right? 12? Yeah. I was at before that. I was at TV Guide at the time, which is a lot, like two yeah. jobs ago. Yeah, <laughs> and before that, she was she started the Don't Trust the Apartment. Mm -hmm. She was a showrunner don't, creator. Don't, of don't trust, trust the, the bitch. It was so apartment. good. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's really what put her on the map because I think it was a very it didn't last long, but I think it was a very beloved show, critically beloved show, mm -hmm. and like beloved show for people who yeah. green light. TV shows. Yes, yes. You know what I yes. mean? Um, like there's a, there is a little bit of like a like a like a taste thing. You can kind of tell the coastal liberal elites like certain things. <laughs> but uh and then of course she did direct Always Be My Maybe. So like Fantastic. Yeah, just yeah. very good comedy chops. So lots of positives for this show coming up. I definitely I mean, do we want this? I think we want this. Hell yes. I love NBC comedies um, and I love everyone involved. And again, just big fan of The Rock and of pro wrestlers becoming actors. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a cool guy. I hope he's not like a hidden dick. 
but no, I don't think he is at all. I, I've 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 definitely interviewed him. Um, this was like way back for one of those movies, Doom, maybe. Um, <laughs> he is exactly what he presents himself to be. So. It's also kind of amazing because he could be a big ass douchebag, and I wouldn't necessarily fault him for it because he is the currently our biggest movie star. Like I think he's n- been number one on like the highest paid actors for a few years now his movies have really pretty great roi i've enjoyed all of them even the ones that aren't that great skyscraper like, was skyscraper. surprisingly good <laughs> it was pretty enjoyable right it was like it was like die hard on like it was like globalized die yeah, hard, was die right? hard. I, I want to which is like it. it's very global and it's a little more corporate it doesn't have like that gritty energy but like it's still fun very sad yeah. that jumanji got uh, not jumanji i mean, though jumanji's great both movies are pretty great yeah um, i mean he has he's one of those actors who has the charisma to pull off a subpar script like yes um and and uh the one of the one of the losses or one of one of the sacrificial lambs of 2020 is the jungle book movie <laughs> with him and emily blunt it was supposed to come out the i jungle, think originally jungle in july cruise. Jungle, cruise. jungle cruise sorry jungle yeah. cruise which is one of my favorite rides at disneyland and it's just and i love emily blunt and the trailer looked great and uh will we ever see it just put it on disney plus my god come on people one of my favorite rides is toad's wild ride um the one where you go to hell. Yes. yes. Oh, those. Is that like, why those, you like those, it? Those kitty rides, quote unquote kitty rides in Fantasyland, are all fucking trippy. I can't believe they oh let God. kids ride Pinocchio's those rides. Weird. They all have like the an acid Snow trip White segment one. in the middle oh, of there. Yeah. The terrifying. evil sections, like the the dark sections of all those those rides, are terrifying. Oh my God, Snow White! I still close my eyes in the Snow White ride. It's so scary. The witch pops up so many times. The Pleasure Island segment in the Pinocchio ride. Terrifying. Oh yeah, that's weird. Where they turn into asses. Yeah. <laughs> what was Walt Disney smoking? Who knows? It's a different time. He's probably microdosing like opium or something. <laughs> well, looking forward to Young Rock. Um, looking forward to yeah, looking forward to Young Rock. Uh, all signs point to it should be pretty good. Yes. Yeah, and. On that note, that'll also do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Uh, Jess Han, thanks again for joining us for another roundup of this month's entertainment news. If people want to follow you all on social media, where can they go? You can find me on Twitter at JessJewTweets. And you can follow me at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yu. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. And also check out our previous episodes by going to the website goodpop.club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-hosted podcasts. Uh, check out our fellow shows by going to the website, podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, we are headed straight into holiday season 2020. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of more holiday-themed things um, later on this month. But until then, thanks again for listening to Good Pop. Uh, stay safe. Happy holidays. And we'll see you all later. See you later. Bye. Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 